Welcome back to The Functional Creative, Episode 7. My name is Jay Ruzica. We talked to a lot of guests on this show who are already successful at what they do. We talked to Jeff Burns, who has the successful podcast and is making a living writing and has his new Amazon Vela. We talked to Chris Veranos, who has always been making it happen in the visual effects department, but more recently having a lot of success in software development for motion pictures. But I think a majority of people who are listening to this are still trying to carve out their future. They're still trying to make it. They're not in a place right now where they've already made it. They're going through the struggles. And for me, I really want to show people that you're not alone when you go through this, that there are a lot of people just like you trying to make a name for themselves, trying to make a living, doing what they love, and they're currently out there and they're grinding and we can actually see how they're doing it because maybe there's something that they're doing that could influence or inspire you to try something different. And one of those people is actress and model Katrina Chamberlain. Katrina grew up in New Hampshire and only recently decided that she's going to drive across the country, move to Los Angeles and try to make a career for herself in the studio film world. Katrina has always been very dedicated to acting. She's always been very passionate about being an actor. And she thought that there was no better time to go try to chase her dreams and make things happen for herself and try to cement a future that she's going to be really happy living in. So we're going to talk to Katrina. We're going to talk about moving to Los Angeles. We're going to talk about her start in film and what those early films are like for any actor trying to break into the business. We're going to talk about what it's like to chase your dreams during a very difficult time that we have with COVID. I mean, it's not easy moving to a a major city across the country away from family and friends during a pandemic. We're going to find out what keeps her going and, and what advice has kept her going through a lot of these tough times. Because as we know, the life of a creative can sometimes be very hard. So we're going to find out what keeps her going and a whole lot more. So without further delay, actress and model Katrina Chamberlain. Katrina, I don't know if you know this, but it's it's December, and I don't know if you know that because you live not in the Northeast where I am, but you live in sunny California where it's very warm. Is it very warm? I don't know what what, what the weather does in December. It's it is warm. It's like, <laughs> well, we in so in October and November we um we were still hitting like eighty and ninety degree days, and I feel a little bit lied to because when I was going out there or when I got out there rather, my <laughs> Roommates were all like, oh, yeah, it's, it'll cool down come come September, October. It, it's going to start cooling down. And I'm like sitting out in like on the porch and stuff. And I'm like, guys, it's like <laughs> I'm sweating. When's it cooling down? Um, but no, it's it's staying like pretty, pretty like 70s ish. Yeah, it, it's cooled off for what I've experienced, but it's still nice and toasty. How, so. long, how long have you been in L.A. now? Uh, so I moved out there mid-June what is that like half a year? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> roughly like this whole year has gone by so quickly too. Like I can't believe that we're at the end of 2021 already. Yeah, it's been a weird weird year. It definitely I mean, it just feels like it's not really existed. Like if that makes <laughs> okay. sense. Like it's just flown. The last two <laughs> years have not really existed. So you're, you're you yeah. are pretty pretty correct on that one. Uh <laughs> so what brought you to LA? So you and I we did a headshot shoot last 
fall, I think, last October or November of 2020. And I remember you yep. talking about the possibility of heading out west back then. So what was the deciding factor for you to move out of New Hampshire, where you were living, and move mm-hmm. to Los Angeles? Yeah. I mean, basically, I was ready for a change of scenery. Um at the time I was working uh, at a, job, a retail that job that just was not really going anywhere. wasn't very fulfilling. And I know, like, I know 100% acting is what I am going to do or I am doing like no question. And I think just being in New Hampshire, I was kind of, I was living in, in Summersworth, which is not like anywhere. It's basically a mile from Maine. <laughs> so like not living where near any like really big city or anything like that. And it just, for me, I, I wasn't having a whole lot of luck in, you know, the theater scene, in the film scene. Um, and it just came down to like, yeah, we we just, we got to go. <laughs> got to go out there. We got to see it. We got to explore. I hit this point where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm 28 years old and I've never lived outside of New Hampshire. And I've, as far as traveling, I've never gone more south than North Carolina and more west than New York. So... Yeah, it was time. I was like, I just, I need to go. <laughs> I gotta go. So how this this is gonna be a stupid question, Katrina? But how how is it different than New Hampshire? Obviously, it's a city, which is makes mm-hmm. it different. But what are the ways that Los Angeles and living in LA is different than living in anywhere in New England in general? That's a good question. Like you have more traffic. I mean, I don't know. Boston has a lot of traffic yeah, too. Yeah. But. So, yeah, I mean, traffic is definitely different um, as far as like the aggression goes. I'd say it's right up there with New York and Boston, but it's different in the sense that people are not dicks about it. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by that is like if you're traveling in New York or you're traveling in in Boston, like people will go out of their way to cut you off and to like make sure you miss your exit. Um, if it's <laughs> yeah. rush hour, like people are making sure that you don't get where you need to go. But in LA, I find that in rush hour, everybody kind of has this understanding that like it, this happens all the time. Everybody's trying to get to where they need to. So people will actually provide the space that you need to kind of get where you need to go, especially on the highway. So the highways are crazy to me because they're, they're multiple lanes, like five to seven lanes. And then you've got exits that come up on both sides. So like on the left and on the right and you'll, you'll merge on. And then in like 500 feet, you'll have to take, um, like a right exit from coming on like a left merge and mm-hmm. trying to get across like seven lanes of traffic. It's just, it's a little crazy, but yeah, we're I making de- it work. I decided <laughs> to drive out there for the, uh, the only time I've ever driven out there, I should say was when it was Memorial day weekend, maybe, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. And I rented a car and Memorial Day weekend is not really the weekend that you want to be driving in L.A., but hmm. I found that, like, the side streets were fine. It was always the highways that were backed up. But if you, like, got off the highways, it wasn't too, too bad. That's just it. Yeah, if you can – what's what's so difficult is that you need to get on the freeway for everything, but it just makes that much more time because you're fighting with everyone else who's on the freeway. If you can somehow manage to navigate back roads, do it. Yeah. Just do it. It saves so much of a of a headache of just trying to like merge and fight people. But I've yet to really find like a good back roads route. I always end up on a freeway at some point. Yeah. I so man, I want to talk so much about LA. We're gonna have a lot of LA talk, but good. I'm gonna use a <laughs> phrase that people make fun of me for. I wanna start at the beginning because that is obviously where anything starts, the beginning, but uh it's become my thing, I guess. 
I, people have pointed out to me that I always say in, in the interview, let's start at the beginning. But Katrina, yeah. let's start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're an actor, um, actor mm-hmm. slash model. What got you into acting originally years ago? Honestly, I don't think it's anything that I've ever like stopped and thought, oh, I think I want to be an actor. Um, as far back as I can remember, I was constantly you know, playing dress up, like in the backyard, playing with my sisters, like being mutants, fighting each other. Um, We would go to like my great grandparents' house and they had, you know, a costume box. And so we constantly were getting to go play in the costume box and like dress up and, and just make little plays and, and play around and perform for my grandparents and that kind of stuff. And then when I, so growing up, my parents are pretty religious. We went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and they kind of got me into the, at the time the church had this like puppet kind of group, performance group. And I remember being young and then my mom was like, oh, why don't you give it a try? It'll be something new. And I did. And and I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, they did little skits and they did other things. And I th- it's just always been something that I've done. Did and you so, do voices for the puppets? Yeah. Do, like, like, what does it sound yeah, like? Yeah, like, I mean, oh, guys, like, it's me, puppet boy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you do, you do, like, little high pitch. I mean, I can't replicate it because I was prepubescent, but it probably right. pretty close to what how you sounded, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they would have, you know, they'd have their scripts. We'd get to take it back with us or memorize it as best we could, and then it was more so just trying to make sure that you like moved your hand <laughs> to make it believable. Cause that, that was my biggest thing with the puppets is I would forget to simultaneously make my mouth move on my hand versus like actually speaking. It does seem more um, complex than you would think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for being like six. So <laughs> like, I mean, I tried to do it recently just for fun. I was just making, making a joke with somebody and I was like trying to make my hand talk to match what I was saying. And it was like the mm-hmm. most difficult thing <laughs> that I think I've done in so yeah. long. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of difficult things, but for some reason to, to make it match the words I was saying was so complex. So I can only imagine <laughs> yeah. doing a whole show like that. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were short. Like it was nothing that was some grand production. All of the skits were like five minutes tops. If that. Oh, that's longer so. than my thing was people lost interest real quick because I couldn't oh. <laughs> make the mouth match what I was saying. So. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And then once, you know, once I got into um, like elementary school, so my, my elementary middle school, they, um, they had their own like drama program and I was so excited. Like once I was finally old enough in sixth grade, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do all the plays. And I did. So it's, I mean, it's always just been something that I have, I've known and that I've, I've always felt at home doing. Yeah. It's, it's fulfilling. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment where you wondered or had to decide whether you were a theater actor versus a film actor, or did you want to do both? Or like, how did that manifest when you were getting started in acting? So theater was my main thing for a long time, just because that was really my only exposure to it. I didn't really start doing any short films until I think it was junior year of college. My friend asked me to perform for her communications class. She had to do, um, she had to make a short film and like edit it and, and do that kind of stuff. And that was the first one that I had ever done. Um, and then in 2015, the following year, you ended up reaching out. And I think the the transition into film came at a later point, just because I realized that 
my personal style tends to be, I think, a little bit more subtle as far as far as when I act. I, I really like to be expressive. And sometimes in like a really big theater, you can't always get that to the people who are, you know, way in the back sure. just because. And I thought, yeah, I just thought that doing film might suit my form of performance a little bit better. That being said, like, I'll definitely go back to theater at some point. I mean, it's always going to have a place in my heart and it's always going to be just a joy to be able to do that as its own art because theater and film are, are pretty different. Just, yeah, just overall, they're pretty different. Um, I want to point out that they, the two films that I made that you were in mm. were watched by like half a million people. For that to be like your first couple films or your first few films, obviously not your first two, but there were some of your early films to to get that kind of reach must have been crazy then. I didn't even think about that for you at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were my first films because, I mean, the first thing that I did was that student film. And I mean, that doesn't you can search it, but you need literally like her username and every single like keyword that you can to find it. Um. But yeah, so doing Thin Walls and doing um, Creeping, those were the my first like two legit film projects. So yeah, I mean, that's that's mind blowing that that many people have seen them. I always feel bad. And I talked about this in one of my episodes. I always feel bad that I didn't give you a better ending for Thin Walls because Thin Walls built tension so well. And I thought we mm. had a really great ending, but I've had like um, close to death threats about how, how we ended that whole thing. Are you serious? People were so let down by it. I, I like quit <laughs> filmmaking for like two years after I made that film because people were like, this is all, it was so good. Oh, and then no. the ending happened. And then we're really mad about the ending because it, it was a big letdown. And it was just like every other movie on YouTube. Like I had like a lot of hate for the ending and people wow. loved that movie until the last 10 seconds. And for some reason, the last 10 seconds, people got very angry at me, Katrina. Oh, so that's awful. Maybe we need to reshoot the ending and then yeah. upload <laughs> Because oh my gosh, no, we'll just redo the whole thing. We'll make it a feature and we'll we'll have so much tension that people are gonna pee. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I <laughs> that's that's mind-blowing. Oh, so okay. Um like, imposter syndrome. I feel like I wasn't I didn't perform in that one as well as I definitely could have, which is like just mind-blowing in and of itself. But like hindsight, you know, it's just a bunch of different things that I would have done a little bit differently. But no, I think that just means that we need to redo it. I, I'm like so we'll just game. we'll just make yeah. it start start from start from scratch again. I'll um I know the makeup was something that people we're not too thrilled about. I don't get that. I thought um, the makeup was great. I honestly, I thought, so I thought my test run, remember when I sent you the test run photos and it was just like half my face down and it looked legit. Yeah. Like it, it looked so like just nasty and gross. I feel like when I ended up doing it um, while we were shooting, I ended up going too heavy handed. Um, so like, yeah, if I, I just, let's just shut like take two, let's do it. <laughs> Man, I thought the makeup you did. That's another important thing to, to mention is you did makeup for that film for yourself. You also did it for my my horror film that I did the year before, Creeping. Mm-hmm. So you've had that that talent. But I was so happy with your makeup. I left that on the screen longer, maybe too long, because I'm like, this is really cool. People need to see this makeup. But for some reason, uh, I don't know. Man, I'm so disappointed by that still. Because I still think everything, like I love that movie and I still think it was all great. Yeah. So when you're getting started in acting, you don't have a lot of 
projects that you've worked on before. Therefore, you don't have a reel. You don't have any kind of like resume to show with prior projects, but it's something that you really want to do. So how does somebody without any real experience start to work on films and, and get involved with, with film production? Yeah. So it, it mostly comes down to researching on like social media and stuff. I did a lot of stuff through Facebook. I found, um, found casting calls and like student films. And then once you get like your finances and stuff and you can afford them doing like casting networks and backstage and actors access and, and those types of platforms that provide the casting calls, but yeah, getting, getting a reel is one of the main things. And so really when you don't have the experience, it's, kind of a catch 22 where you're going to have to volunteer a lot of time just so that you have some content um, to get get you where you need to go, basically. And when you, when you start off, you're doing a lot of low budget films, no budget films. Um, you, it's a not lot very, of no like, budget. A lot of no budget, right? And it, you can't like really pick and choose too much. So this is kind of mm-hmm. a two-part question. How do you decide what projects you do want to work on early on and part two, what are the best and worst things about working on these no budget projects? That's a good question. A lot of it is, well, for starter, I mean, okay, for starters, you have to know like your types, your strengths, your weaknesses, that kind of stuff. So when you're digging through, you're really looking for things that you feel that you would be able to portray strongly because obviously you want your best performances to go into your reel. So that way people look at it and they go, wow, she has talent. I want to hire her. Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, And yeah, (laughs) it's really sifting through and finding the pieces that kind of call to you. And that again, you think that you could portray. It does get difficult because you really need to find the balance in the beginning. It's going to sound really bad to say, but like sometimes you do have to take a project that, you know, maybe isn't necessarily script strong. Was that Thin Walls? No, 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 no. Oh, no. I was so thrilled to do Thin Walls. (laughs) Um, No, this is a there's some other projects that I have done where I'm like, oh, this this writing is uh, that that is writing. Um, but But I need some content and I think I could do this part really well. So. Here we go. <laughs> this is also going to sound really bad. It's kind of getting those cringier projects out of the way firsthand where you're not making sure. like big bucks doing it. And then that kind of sets the motion to getting better stuff. Yeah. And once once you obviously have more of the experience, you have more you have your reel down, people are starting to to notice and and see that you exist, then you can start to be a little bit more picky as to what you do and don't want to do. I'm probably more picky than I should be at this point in my game. But that being said, I also feel like I've been doing this long enough that what I like, I want to be proud of what I put out so that I do end up making more money in the long scheme. That's fair. Does that answer both questions? Yeah, no, I think (laughs) I think that's good. That makes sense. That That does make a lot of sense to me. Acting's hard, right? Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of things that are hard about it. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. early on, it's hard because you're not necessarily always doing the projects you want to do, but mm-hmm. you make things work. But one of the hard things that I always thought that I saw with acting was nothing that actually happens on the screen, but like there's a lot of rejection when it comes to acting, right? Like there's yeah. there's a whole lot of rejection. So how do you deal with rejection? Like you go to an audition, you don't get the role or, mm-hmm. you know, you audition for a certain role and then they give you something with like one line. Like how do you deal with that constant rejection? Is it a very negative thing? Honestly, it's 
going into it, it's something that I've always known was going to be a thing. Anybody who is in the industry or even people who aren't in the industry, I mean, I'm sure you can think of, you know, people that you know personally who wanted to do the acting thing and then just it fell through because mm. it ended up being a lot harder than than they thought it would be. Can I just stop um, you right there and say that like 85% yeah. of the people that I've that I made a movie with early in my filmmaking career completely don't act at all anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean it, if it ends up that like that's how they wanted things to go then I mean it, you got to do what's best for you. I know the financial instability of acting can be a pretty big hurdle and to try to, to get over. Sure. Um, and it, for a lot of people, it doesn't, doesn't, the risk doesn't, the risk reward, you know, balance isn't, isn't there. I always knew that like I was going to be dealing with rejection and one of my teachers in college did it. Um, they said it, something very important, which really helped me kind of dealing with the rejection. And it's not every role is for you. And it doesn't matter how much you really like the role, kind of if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, basically. It's definitely not as eloquent as they said it at the time. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, I mean, and that's, that's just something that you have to accept. And acting is one of those things you can absolutely nail every single aspect in an audition and come out of that room and just feel super confident and like, yeah, I've got that. And you might not get it. It's literally nothing per se for what you did. Like in in the audition, it could just be that somebody did something different that they, they saw something else in. And so it's really a matter of learning how to not take the rejection personally, because if you do, then like... I mean, I would have quit forever ago if with if every no that I have received mm-hmm. because of, you know, X, Y and Z, I would have I would have hung up forever ago. Um, you just you can't take it personally. And you really have to treat audition with more of a mindset of like, OK, it works kind of like practice where it's like, OK, I did that. I made a choice and on to the next thing. You can't really get caught up thinking about why you didn't get it, even even if it was something that you like really, really wanted. And it's really difficult to be like, ah, you like I just, I wanted that role so bad. I would have been so good for that role. You just have to be like, okay, it, maybe it just wasn't meant for me and then continue on. Have you ever considered quitting at any point in your career so far? Not that quitting is bad. I should say that I actually am a proponent of quitting, which is, it sounds worse than it really is. But like people, I feel like people change over time and people's goals change mm-hmm. over time. So while somebody might mm-hmm really be inspired and really want to be an actor or a writer or a filmmaker or a photographer or a comedian at some point, as they grow and evolve, sometimes their goals change and grow and and evolve with them. So I don't think necessarily quitting is is necessarily a bad thing if you're just not passionate about it anymore and want to try something different. That being said, Mm. you are passionate about it. Um, Have you ever had the thought of maybe I shouldn't do this anymore? Honestly, once or twice, briefly. Especially, so especially with this move, because this is like the biggest thing that I have ever done in my life. Um, I did once previously try to just get out of, you know, retail and do the whole acting thing completely, um, which didn't end up working the first time because again of finances. But yeah, there, there have been a couple of moments where I'm like, man, like I could just get married and like have kids and stay at home and that like I could probably be equally as fulfilled. And then I stop and I go, "Mm." the the little voice inside of me is just like, yeah, would you though? Would you? And then I have to just kind of reconcile with myself and be like, you know what? Yeah, no, I mean, this would not like, 
I'm not, I'm not saying like settling down and having a family is a bad thing, like at all. I think someday maybe that'll happen for me, but for right now, knowing there just isn't anything else that would be as fulfilling as getting paid to do what I love to do. I doubt all the time. I have anxiety. Like I, sure. I, I talk myself and overthink and, and have times where I'm just like, man, it would just be easier if I did something else. But at the end of the day, it would just make my life harder because I know it's not what I would want to be doing. And I think it's interesting because you see actors, you see them on the screen playing characters, right? And therefore mm-hmm. they're playing characters. They're confident. You know, you might see them in an interview setting or at a film festival doing a Q&A and they're all about film and they're themselves and they're they're confident and you think like wow this person never has any worries or concerns at all i mean obviously that's not true everybody has concerns and worries like what are mm. your concerns and worries about acting are you afraid like man maybe i'll never make it what are the concerns of actors in 2021 i think success is definitely one of like the main concerns which success can mean so many different things to so many different people but yeah just not not ha- not being able to fulfill your dreams i think is a big one i think another one too is this i i don't like to use the term but like cancel culture i think mm-hmm. being there's a lot of I think there's, there has to be a lot of caution about what you do and don't do, because especially in this age of like technology, obviously things that you said or joked about like 15 years ago can suddenly come back and <laughs> sure. just like tank a career. Yeah. Those, those are pretty big concerns that I see. And that <laughs> I also have, not that I think that I'm like, I don't think I've said anything really that would rock the boat. I, I can't just imagine not, that's yeah. not like who I am. Yeah. But no, I can't imagine like you're you the last person. You always have that little bit of a, a fear that's like, oh, maybe I, maybe I did tweet something that I thought was funny and it's just kind of off color now. Like <laughs> I doubt it, but, or I hope I didn't, but sure. you know, you never know. <laughs> what, what's auditions like when you go into auditions, like it's, it has to be nerve wracking because you're standing in front of people who are basically judging you on your acting ability or whether or not you're right for the character, but they're also judging you on your look, right? Like, does this person look the part of what I had pictured when, you know, I was making, when I was going to make this movie? Like, what? So tell me, like, what are auditions like and what are your advice for people going into auditions now? Auditions have actually changed a lot for me personally. When I was doing more of the theater, I was doing a lot more of the in-person auditions. And that's, that's always something you have to not worry about, but, you know, look into the character, kind of dress for the part within reason, obviously, because um, there's been plenty of instances where like you've gone in for a specific role and then you end up getting a different role because they, Mm -hmm. they saw you like when, once you started to perform, you're like, Oh no, like this person, she'd be really good for this other role instead. And nowadays it's more so the self taping game, which it's interesting because you kind of get to practice and to choose your best take, but it's also kind of difficult because you don't have anybody to really feed off of where you get that interaction while you're auditioning. Um, you can ask, you know, if you have questions in the script, like do, what does this mean? Or, or could I, you know, try something different or even just somebody else to read lines with you and, and to, to feed off of that, you kind of lose a little bit doing self tapes. Is self-tapes because of COVID or has the industry changed? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the main push has been because of COVID and, and lockdown and stuff like that. Um, in the casting calls that I see, I don't see too many um, that are still in person. 
Um, a lot of them are just like, here's the sides, you know, do it, send it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they both have their pros and cons of doing it, especially where, you know, if you're doing just cold readings, you're not doing a monologue or anything you have, you know, doing it live, you can have somebody who, you know, reads lines for you and you can kind of work off of, um, but doing it by yourself, it, it I feel it was pretty awkward. I, I don't think I've quite mastered the art of a self tape yet. It sounds hard. It's, I don't think I can do it. I um, yeah. sometimes do these podcasts in between the interview episodes. I do these podcasts where I talk about different topics that affect creatives. And I'm not even great at that. The amount of times that I've had to re-record uh, an episode because I didn't make any sense or I missed topics. I sound like somewhat like knowledgeable in these because I edit a lot <laughs> because I edit out right. <laughs> everything that I say that doesn't make sense or sounds stupid. I just cut out and it sounds like I know what I was talking about the entire time and that I stayed on topic and I didn't meander. So I can only imagine like now there's a video in your face and you're doing one of these reads. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird seeing, seeing myself. <laughs> like, sure. And it's so hard too, because you have to really treat um, a self tape like kind of like you're in person. Um, and you're like, you're supposed to, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to master the art of not looking at myself, but looking into the camera's lens. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's hard enough to do too, especially where like, I usually do most of it on my phone. Um, so it's just, it's all screen, but you also, you kind of, I get into my own head and I'm like, do I like, does this angle look good? Is the lighting okay? Like, is does something distracting in the background? Um, and it's just a lot of, little things to kind of work in and play with, which I mean, the, the beauty of doing a self tape is that you can do multiple tapes. It's, it's helpful in that sense. <laughs> so obviously like self tapes were, as you said, because of COVID, how else has COVID over the last year changed film? Because I feel like obviously there was a lot of months that film productions weren't happening, that there was kind mm -hmm. of a freeze. And I know that you had started to like really think seriously about a move to Los Angeles during this. What were you mm -hmm. seeing in, New England, when the lockdown happened and COVID uh, kind of took over, what were you seeing there, the changes that COVID brought to the film industry? And now we're still mm. in COVID. It's obviously we're in a better place than we were a year ago, but we're still at this point kind of in it. What What is LA doing right now? Have you noticed the film industry come back at all? Definitely. I mean, be in New England while you know COVID was happening, um, I really was just focusing on getting the finances to make the move. I pretty much decided like, this is going to happen. I need to save up um, so that I can, I can make this move. And I, I remember hearing that just basically like everything had shut down, just talking with other people who were into industry. They were just like, you know, we're, we're on unemployment. Like we're not getting gigs. We don't hear anything just because nothing is open. Having moved to LA, I feel like I moved at a pretty decent time because things were starting to finally open back up. I have a few roommates and they were telling me that like, right when I was kind of getting out there, they were finally getting jobs after like months of nothing. And it was almost to an overwhelming point. They're like, okay, you know, these projects were all put on hold before the locks down. And then they're all coming up and everybody's just hitting them up like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go. And it's like balancing the schedules that way. It's been really interesting. So I've done like a, a few background gigs as just like an example of when I've been out there and LA is a lot more strict still. 
There's a lot of mandatory masks still in place, regardless of vaccination status. A lot of casting calls are specifically calling that you need to be vaccinated. Um, even in like just grocery stores and stuff like that, they, there's still mask mandates, regardless of, of, if you're vaccinated. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still doing things super safe and just trying to make sure, you know, you've got, you know, plenty of space between your people. You're not in just tight enclosed areas. Everybody's keeping nice and masked up, double masked even. Yeah. And I, I just did one. So I just did a background gig recently for, um, a show that's it's coming up. It's the Harry Potter tournament of houses that aired on November 28th. And we were double masked. So they gave us, we, we came with our masks when we arrived. And then when we got there, they gave us all masks to put on top of that, just to make sure that everybody was being super like cautious and safe. So we know so, the and background. That was with, do you, do you wear them mm-hmm. in the background or do you take them? How does that work? Yeah. So for that one, we did. Yeah. So we, we just wore masks through, through that one. Basically what they're doing is like when you're on screen, you know, take the mask off, kind of tuck it. And then when, as soon as they call like cut, masks go right back on. So they're, they're doing well to limit the amount of exposure the best that they can while still creating film and creating art. So I know that, like the Harry Potter thing has already aired, but like for somebody who wants to track this down in the future, can, what can you say about this project? It was super cool. Um, so I actually ended, I was supposed to go for two days and I, I ended up missing the first day because of technical problems. Um, the, the email I was supposed to receive, which I guess this happened to a bunch of people, I found out, it ended up in the spam folder, mm. which is something that having had happened. I'm now super cautious about <laughs> That's my biggest <laughs> like checking my spam every time because I've never really had that happen before. And then this one time Google was like, well, just file that into spam. And I was like, why <laughs> did you do that? <laughs> why right. did you do that? <laughs> um, because I saw it. So it was really frustrating because I saw it two minutes after call. And I was like, I missed this by two uh, minutes. I could have been there. <laughs> yeah. Check my email an hour earlier. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, cause I woke up early cause I was like, all right, I still haven't received an email and stupidly wasn't thinking about spam. And I set my alarm for like five and six o'clock and was just like getting up every half hour. Just be like, all right, where is it? Where is it? And then finding it two minutes after call, I was like, nah! <laughs> <laughs> no, right. um, but I ended up going and doing one day of, of shooting. And that was super, super cool. They, their host was Dame Helen Mirren. And she was just an absolute, we, we didn't get to meet one-on-one, but I was like 10 to 20 feet away from her at all times. And that was, <laughs> she was <laughs> cool. just so cool. Like she was so down to earth and she was so gracious to be there. And like, she started out, you know, she addressed all of us. She's like, you know, thank you so much. I'm so glad that like everybody here is going to be a part of this. Like, I'm super excited. You know, thank you for, for your time on doing this one. Um, and she just flat out was like, I'm going to mess up. It's going to happen. Laugh at me. It's okay. Do it. And we all were like, we won't. We, we're we not going to laugh at you. It's fine. Like, she was just the sweetest lady. Yeah. It, like, she, yeah. She just had this air of just being so gracious and thankful that she got the opportunity to be here with the rest of us. Yeah. It was really cool. Plus I got to see a bunch of props from the movies, which was also really rad. Yeah. That's cool. So like, man, that's, that's going to be so much fun because, you know, you're somebody who enjoys Harry Potter. You get to now participate in the world of Harry Potter. Uh, what else are you mm-hmm. working on right now? I know that you're doing a, another short film. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I recently just did a short film. It's a it's a science action um, short we filmed over a weekend. It's called Viper Eight. As of right now, I don't th- I don't think they're going to change the title, but never it's, know. It's yeah. Right now, Viper Eight. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, I mean, didn't Thin Walls went through a few? We had Hum. Titles, it was, it was originally <laughs> going to be Hum, and then at like the last minute, like we shot the whole movie where it was going to be called hum and then i think mm-hmm. right before we released it we changed it to thin walls and there might have been another name in there as well i think you're right yeah i feel like there was there was one other one i don't remember what it was but right, yeah. um but yeah no that was that was super cool basically i got to spend the entire weekend just like trekking and running and shooting through the woods and like firing airsoft guns and and generally being pretty badass so (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) what are your goals going forward then make more movies (laughs) yeah um yeah consistent i yeah i would my goals are to be more consistent i think i'm i'm probably gonna end up going the agent route maybe end up doing the the sag membership it's that's something that i've been kind of throwing back and forth as to whether or not I want to do, I think at some point it's probably something I'm going to have to do where I really want to be doing those big lead, like blockbuster films and getting lead roles and that kind of stuff. I think finding an agent is going to help and then they'll probably push to go sag and hopefully from there, just kind of make, make my living doing what I love every day, not have to worry about a part-time job. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's fair. I think that I think that is a good goal to have. I mean, certainly yeah. I left an office job uh, that I was at for nearly a decade to work in photo and video and kind of take a, a chance on myself. So I definitely get that. Mm. And, you know, it's I think like you have to do it right. Like I always tell people if you you can always find a job anywhere, right? Like you can always go mm-hmm. back and, and work retail or get an office job or whatever. Like That's always going to be there. But if you go your whole life and you think about, man, what could have been had I tried? Like, that's a really thing that would suck to regret later on in life. Like, I don't know yeah. what would have happened because I was too scared to try. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've i had um, far too many instances of that in my personal life. And that was kind of one of my driving factors too with coming out to LA. Like, even, even if I fail, for lack of a better word, even if like... I end up completely and utterly broke and it just, it doesn't end up working and I absolutely hate it. What an adventure that's going to be to say that I did actually do it to not be sitting in New Hampshire being like, well, it'd be nice, you know, if I, if I went out there at some point or, you know, if I had, you know, maybe, maybe if I had tried, things could have been different Mm -hmm. knowing that I did is kind of a, a great accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, have, especially never having left, you know, New Hampshire suddenly to just drive across the entire country and be like, all right, we're just, we're going to do what we're going to do. And if it happens, it happens. And if not, it's going to be, it's going to be a story and it's going to be an adventure. I love that. Um, it's going to be, a, I, I yeah. really like that you just said that it's going to be a story. I, I think that's so true. I think there's so many people that like, even if you don't make it, like, I, I drove here and I, and I moved away. I lived on the other side of the country and I had all these experiences and met all these people. Like that's definitely worth trying. Yeah, at least once, you know? 
because what's what's the worst that happens? You learn that it wasn't for you, and then you go back to what you're comfortable with. I mean, or you find something that no you enjoy more. Like that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, like people are always changing. Like some people might say, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't do well at acting," or I, my, you know, my career didn't take off. There's, you know, it's very competitive. There's a lot of people. Um, but while I was there, I met so and so, and we started a band. You know, they wanted somebody who could sing, and I could sing a little bit. And now I'm doing. Uh, now I'm a lead singer of a band. Like things happen like that, but you're never gonna like make that leap or find out anything that you're good at or have new relationships or open up any other doors without trying in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I, that was something that really shook shook my shook my world apart um in college that was something that one of my professors told me it's basically you can't grow inside your comfort zone mm. in order in order to be able to grow as a human in whatever aspect it may be you have to take that first step into that unknown scary area um and and just kind of roll with it and go this so, all sounds that's, so that's, great. Yeah, I really like this. Yeah. I think on the next episode, I'm going to talk about how and when to quit your nine to five job. And there's a lot that you're giving me to think about that I already kind mm. of had thought out because, you know, I've done it. <laughs> but um, right. but hearing like that perspective, too, like that's that's really interesting to me. So I really like that. How about we do a mailbag question? We have a, a weekly mailbag question that came through Instagram. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Sure. I always give first names. I started to try to read the handles, but sometimes they're very complex. And this one has a lot of numbers in it. I don't imagine that anyone is going to hear this and be like, I got to look up this person and give them a follow. So my apologies for not reading your your handle, uh, but I will read your first name. I just think it goes better that way. It flows a little easier. So this is from Kelsey on Instagram. And Kelsey wants to know, as an actress moving to Los Angeles in January, what advice can you give me about the transition? Also, any good food recommendations? <laughs> I can't give a lot of good food recommendations because I have not gone out and eaten a lot of food just because I'm trying to conserve money. Sure. I'm still, you know, living off my savings. So we're trying to just make that stretch. I will say I did try In-N-Out Burger, which was really good. Yeah. And I'm kind of a fan of Carl Jr.'s. Never had that before moving out there. And it, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I like Carl Jr.'s. Did you get your In-N-Out Burger animal style yet? No, I did not. Oh, that's, you're you're doing it. Okay, so next time you're going to say double-double animal style, and then you can thank me later. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll try to remember that. You, um, but yeah, I mean, it. yeah. <laughs> as far as advice goes, try to get a network going if you don't already. A lot of what I find having moved is if you don't have a network of people, it's going to make things incredibly difficult. Not even saying necessarily, I mean, career-wise, obviously, you're, you're going to want to know the people who who are, are thriving and doing really well. They're going to have a mm -hmm. lot of good information for you. They're going to know their own people. They're going to think about you for projects, that kind of stuff. But even in your personal life, something that I've, real talk, which, yeah, real Love talk. Love real talk. Um, Real talk. Moving, I'm not sugarcoating this. Moving has been like incredibly difficult for me because all of my family, all of my friends, basically everybody that I, I knew is in New Hampshire. 
Um, and so I, I got out to California, which my boyfriend has been incredibly supportive. He's a cinematographer. Um, he traveled out with me. He hooked me up with the people that he was living with. And my roommates are all pretty great. You know, I've connected pretty decently with them, but I haven't made a lot of outside connections just because of my own shortcomings as being kind of anxious and not doing learning how to be better about networking and, and connecting with people. But also some of the gigs that I've gotten have been more of like sit in audience work. And so you, you meet interesting people who come from all over the place, but they're not necessarily people who are trying to work in the industry. Like I met a really cool girl who she's in college for, I think it was for like English or business or, or something like that. And she just would do these sitting gigs for like extra cash for, you know, weekend kill the weekend type of a thing. And so that aspect has been incredibly difficult, not having good group of people that I can just hit up and be like, Hey, let's go for a walk. Or like, Hey, you, um, you like hiking. Let's like, let's go find some hiking spots or, you know, just having somebody close to be with. So I would, I would absolutely stress just trying to meet some people as best you can. I mean, COVID is still pretty, it's, it's still being taken very seriously in California. Sure. So, I mean, obviously you're going to be a limit, a little bit limited in that, but you know, just meet, meet the people who can kind of keep you sane. Where can people find you? I know you're, you're on Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. tell us where uh, somebody who wants to, to check out Katrina Chamberlain, where can she be found? Yeah. Yeah. So I am, I'm on Instagram, um, at Katrina underscore Chamberlain, uh, underscore official. <laughs> it's a long one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, Miss train on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. If you just type in Katrina Chamberlain, um, I have a, uh, I'm working on getting a more professional page set up over there, which you should be able to find. It's got my headshots and stuff. I think it's the same headshot as my Instagram actually. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think those are the main ones so far. I'm on IMDb if you want to search me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you have to put you have to use my full name because I'm just I'm not quite there at the uh I can't just put Katrina filming, in but... and doesn't just show up anymore. It's not like No, unfortunately so <laughs> I try that because I'm a little bit of a dork sometimes. <laughs> um and no, it it always comes up as Katrina Bowden, who was the one chick in Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You're right. Yeah, that's right. She's the the blonde girl, which I I'm I don't know what else she's done, but there that's another Katrina, which that's always something that blows my mind because Katrina is not a crazy popular name, or at least in my experience, it's I've only met like less than five other people personally that have that we share the same name, mm -hmm. um, and so like you type it into IMDb or something, and then a bunch of Katrinas pull up, and you're like, oh my god, where'd they come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> so when you come back to the Northeast, we're gonna have to do Thin Walls too when nature calls then. Oh, hell yeah. And we'll get Ace we'll get Ace Ventura. What's his name? Yeah. We'll get Jim Carrey involved in the project. I think he would really oh my God. <laughs> really enjoy being involved. That would involved. be really yeah. Wow. If, if anybody's listening that, that knows nice. Jim Carrey, can you get him in our short film? We'll get pizza. Like that's what you do on the no budget <laughs> films, right? It's it's like pizza and then like off brand soda in, a, in a crazy large Jim bottles. Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey, well uh well, we can pay you an exposure. I'm not sure that pitch will get Jim Carrey involved, but I would like to believe that maybe we're not too far off. Maybe that and maybe a couple million dollars might end up doing it for us. 
what a fun conversation. And it's always good to see her positivity, you know, that she can say, I really want this. This is what I want to be doing. This is what I'm chasing. If it doesn't work out, well, at least I've tried it. And I think that's a good message. And it really is going to tie into episode eight, where I'm going to be discussing when and how to leave your nine to five job to make your creative craft a career. And that's a big topic. It's not an easy topic, certainly. It's There's a, a lot to go through. I'm going to try to give you my experience. And, you know, not, not every two people's experiences are going to be the same, but I think there's a lot of great advice and a lot of things to consider before you make that leap. And we're going to discuss all of that on episode eight. You can follow us on Instagram at The Functional Creative. I look forward to seeing you on there and connecting with you on the gram. Is that what the kids are saying on the gram? I, they don't know if the kids are saying that. That's going to do it for episode seven of The Functional Creative. I'm Jerry Zika. See you next week. Mm-hmm.